In a world full of movie podcasts, here is one more. Welcome to Defend Your Movie with Sean Donnelly and Andrew Fiore. The time has come again. The champion must Welcome to another edition of Defend Your Movie. I am one of your hosts, joined here by the always, you know, the squeezable, the, the, you know, just, just completely just, you know, huggable, lovable, Andrew Fiore, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, buddy. How's it going? Very uh, well, thank you. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're gearing up. We're gearing up for a big deal. Uh, it's, it's almost the big 4-0 for my Let's, giant friend. Thank you. Less the, than a week the away. The gentle giant has, <laughs> is going over the hill. Go, yeah, well, that's like hitting a child, the hill. That sounds like a children's book. Yeah, you're hitting the hill. When you, hit, when you get 40, is that over no, the hill? No, it's over the hill. Once 41, you're over the hill. Nope. The hill 40, is 40. Nope. The 40, you're I'm over the hill. I'm on the hill right now at 39. Mm-hmm. I'm about over to that hill. peak. I'm about to reach the summit. Keep running up that hill. Keep running up that hill. That's a great song. Here, Kate Bush. Yeah, I don't know how I didn't notice it. Um, well, you know why? Because I remember back when I was younger, and I think I might have mentioned this on the show before in conversation with you. When I we would go to like for some reason our parents' generation they'd have over the hill parties so a big mm. and I think that don't happen doesn't happen anymore. Well, I, so you'd go to like a Hallmark store and you'd get like there'd be like it, the, it was supposed to be like yeah. these funny things where it'd be decorations with like gravestones on them. Yeah, so there's always like some old guy walking with a cane and he's all yes. hunched over. Yeah, like, and that's when you you get gag gifts that was like right, right. a cane and and medicine bottles and yeah. doctor's appointment slips like or you know some uh, whatever subscription. Uh, not subscriptions. What am I thinking? Prescriptions to think. <laughs> Whatever it is, just, like doctor. Like that, you're getting older. Right, thing. right. But there was like I remember multiple uh, going to Jersey for multiple family parties, and they would say over the hill at, at, at different. Huh. I mean, my decorations. dad, my parents were always over the hill, so I don't really. Yeah, remember. You, you've been living in that for a while. Yeah. So your birthday is coming up. Plug the big show there, the baby. Big show. The big show. Oh, the big show is oh, big Wednesday, ring. June fifth at the Comedy Cellars. Fat Black Pussy Cat. It's the sister room of the Comedy Cellar. It is right around the corner on uh, West 3rd Street there. Go to ComedyCellar.com for reservations. They're moving fast, I'm told. So get on there, and uh, we have a great lineup. The lineup's actually up and revealed. Uh, Sean Donnelly, Jessica Kearson, et al. It's going to be such a fun time. It's an 8.30 show. Uh, we're going to be having drinks and uh, getting into all sorts of trouble afterwards. So please come out and say hi. And uh, I'll. If uh, How about this? As a birthday gift to any defender that comes out and says, hey, I'm a defender, I'll buy them a beer. Whoa! How about that? The birthday boy will buy yeah. other birthday boys the beer? Yeah. Or birthday gals? Either one. Or birthday transgenders? Yeah, anybody. Or fluid? Not, gender for anything? Any gender? Not them. No. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's the I was one. Hoping you were just, yeah. That's the one gender. I, I, well, no. 
No, no. <laughs> there has to be a line. Uh, anyway, you know, if you come, hey, I'm a Defender, man. Please come on out. Oh, my God. Defenders, you heard that? Come on out. You get a free beer out of you the deal. You get to meet the whole crew. Alex yeah. is going to be there, our producer. Alex Obviously, will be Shawnee there. Obviously, is performing. I will be there. It'll be a bunch of comics that you probably know from other podcasts that will be hanging out there. We're going to drink afterwards. It's going to be a hilarious, hilarious time. Yeah. That's at the Fat Black Pussycat mm-hmm. that's uh, in the West Village in New York City. And, you know, if you're from outside the city, it gives you a chance to totally. come into the city and, it's and have an adventure. It's a great show, honestly. It's, yeah. you know, it's the famous comedy cellar. You're going to get a great show. And you're gonna, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Thanks, man. Um, I'm excited for your birthday. Yeah. Um, so, uh, how is everything else going? Good? Very good. I watched a few things this week. Do oh, you want to talk about your, one of yours first? I did our pal Zach Amicos, another very funny comic. Yes. Uh, he's got a... He's one of the quickest brains I've ever <laughs> witnessed on a yeah. podcast. Very good podcast. he's on that real-ass podcast with Lewis, yep. and... I gotta tell you, the kid looks like he's a, a juggalo. <laughs> Everybody says, well, you know, he just looks like, he looks like a juggalo yeah. that would get kicked out of being a juggalo. Like, that's how much it's... Right. Big horror guy works for trauma and all, uh, all of that craziness. But he has some of the qu- quickest oh, jabs. Oh, yeah, super funny. Oh, my God. Uh, really clever dude. He asked me to come on and do his, uh, it's kind of, they watch movies and kind of talk over them and oh, like, comment like, like on MST, them. Like MST, 3000, yeah, 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 yeah. A little, a lot different, actually. But uh, it's called Zach and Miko's Midnight Spook Show, which oh. is very creepy and scary. Yeah. And I did that when we watched a movie called The Stuff from uh, I haven't even heard of it. Larry Cohen, director. Michael Moriarty from, uh, you might know him as ADA Stone yeah, from I know the exactly. early Law yeah, and Order. He also was in Bang the Drum Slowly. Yes, yes. Yeah. And uh, he's in it. It's great. It's like a campy kind of horror movie. It's about this... Uh, this kind of goopy stuff that these workers, engineers find, and it kind of replaces ice cream. It becomes this craze oh, that, throughout the country. It's from the it's 70s? Called the it's, stuff. Really it's from the mid-80s. Okay, okay. And uh, it kind of it starts taking over people's brains where, oh, you know, it so ends up funny. killing you and, like, it acts out on it. It becomes sentient, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's in that, like, it's kind of like the, movie, the goop from, uh, yeah. from Ghostbusters 2. It kind of, exactly. But it's but not free-flowing. But it's, like, but it's edible and you kind of, and it, it was, they're selling it and people just go nuts for it and, the, and then people few, start killing people? Who, yes, exactly. And then there's the few who rebel against it. And Michael Moriarty is hired by the ice cream, big ice cream, to uh, get to the bottom of why this stuff is so popular. And we turn out it's that it's actually, it's like a crazy horror monster. It's alive and it's killing people. Oh, that's so funny. It's trying to take over the world. And so, is it just beyond bad? Uh, it wasn't terrible, actually. Really? Yeah, it was like, if you know what you're getting into. It you was hear a, that plot and you're like, this is a piece of shit. Well, you yeah, watch yeah. it for fun. You know right, what I mean? Right, of course, of course, of course, of course. And then I saw John Wick 2, as we talked about John last Wick, week. Two or three? I saw two. I remember I was oh, behind. Oh, right, you're behind, yeah. So, and so what did you think of two? I liked it. It was great. And you watch it for the action scenes. But yeah, not Absolutely. as good as the first one. Not I love the first one. Will it make you want to go see three? Yeah, I want to mm-hmm. see the uh, trilogy. I want you to see three. Three is even more fun than two. Okay, Like cool. three is better than two. So nice. you'll, it'll be a pleasant surprise. You're going to watch and go, oh, yeah, this is worth it. Yeah. Definitely. And that's it. That's it for me. I I did a thing where – I'm going to tell you, man. It's funny because, you know, it really is – you, you kind of forget, like – I don't know what you would do, what you would call, you know, we have generations with people. What would you, like, as far as, now that technology is such a big thing with movies, there's movie technology generations. So, like, you would almost, as far as CGI starts, like, like, you would almost start it with, like, almost a gladiator, or even before that, like, even if you had the effects from, like... Michael like Bayish. Michael Bayish type situation, or, like, early Lucas type stuff, or whatever you want to do, but... It's funny, like, when you watch it now, some stuff holds up, some stuff doesn't, you know? Um, yeah. And I remember, 
and don't get me wrong, like I'm not saying this movie was known for its technology, whatever it is, but I remember not seeing this movie. I remember thinking that, it, hearing that it was wasn't very good. I remember it looking like it was boring. That's why I didn't watch it. Okay, and my roommate Robert Dean, very funny comedian, Bobby Dean, Bobby Dean he tells me, "Hey, I heard we're, fl- we're flipping through Amazon, like Amazon Prime," and he goes, "Oh, I heard the first twenty minutes of this is kind of boring, but then it gets great." And I thought so he was intrigued. being serious. And I think he was just high at the time, and he was like, <laughs> just like, I'm going to fuck with Sean or something. Yeah. Because I go, all right, cool. So we watch AI, artificial intelligence, with Haley Joel Osment okay. from like 2001 or something like that, or nine, mm, like uh, 2000. Yeah, that sounds right. No, no, I'm sorry. 99. 2001. It actually, 2001. Okay. it came out, it was released like right before September 11th happened. Okay. So the Twin Towers are in this movie. Uh-huh. That's the last destination for the AI kid in the movie is oh, Manhattan. Weird. It's the end of the world. That's why it's called Manhattan. Uh, like the man, like to, to yeah. go see. I don't even know. It made no sense. What I've a, never seen it. What a hot garbage movie. Spielberg, right? Spielberg. Spielberg with Stan. I looked it up. Stanley Kubrick working on it for years and years and years and helping before he died, helping. Spielberg with the movie and the story and the and the the uh, the the, uh, the script, which was beyond awful. Yeah, I've heard all bad things. But if you look online, it has reviewer rating like seventy three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Huh? Maybe it's so following after. Either there's a lot of reviews, and because it's Spielberg, oh, yeah. they're giving it a pass, or they like it because it's like a weird cult thing where they're like, oh, it's so weird that like it, it looks like a movie that. It ended up being like two hours, no, two hours and 40 minutes, and you could have made it a four-hour movie. Because Jude, the, right. the end makes no sense. <laughs> so if I can really just explain to you really quickly, the, the whole idea is that Helen Joel Osment, it's the future, and these two parents, they have, they're two character actors. One of them is the, uh, the bad guy from Beautiful, you watch Beautiful Girls? No. The girl's husband from Beautiful Girls. And the other one is from uh, Bedazzled with Brendan Fraser, but she's been in a bunch of stuff. But she plays the girl that he's into. And, uh, anyway, I'm whatever. I'm two on those. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. Anyway, so they play a couple that their son is in, like, a hyperbolic chamber. Like, he's uh-huh. sick, right? The parents don't know what to do. The doctor's like, I don't know what's going to happen, whatever it is. So the dad thinks he has a great idea because this William Hurt runs this company that makes these, these artificial, these AI robots, yeah. right? And then he's like, I have a new mission. I want to make one that is capable of love, whatever it is, right? Sex robots. Sex really. Well, they were making sex. Sex robots were a thing right away. I like, like now, you know, like they're making them now. So he goes, I want to make one that's capable of love. So on, uh-huh. the, on the couple front, the guy shows up with this. Which shows up with Haley Joel Osment, and as the, he's the boy that can, he's yeah. the like replace, basically the replacement for the son. But they're well aware that it's a robot, so she's like, "It's a pet, it's a toy, it's a, like they refer to it like that." And yeah. she's creeped out by it for the first part of the movie, right, and so. then she kind of like, then there's these things. He shows up, and he goes, "Okay, if you want to not return him to the company, there's these words you say to him, and he imprints on you forever, like you can't get rid of him, right?" Okay. So she finally one day, because she thinks the the son is done for, because she fallen in love with this kid, not fallen in love, she loves him, she gives the word. So now Haley Joel is like forever attached to this Uh woman. But then the kid turns out to be a little shit. This is the only best part of the movie. The kid, the actual boy, the son, their son actually like fucks with the robot so much it makes it look like he's doing all these dangerous things. He's got nothing to work for anymore. Well, right, exactly, right? No, 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 but but he was making it seem like he did all this crazy shit, and he didn't. Oh, that sneaky son of a gun. So the mother drives, instead of returning him to the company where he'll get destroyed, the mother drives him to the forest right next to it and says, go, you gotta go, you gotta go. She, she, you're free now. 
But yeah, so the, the it's, it's like Pinocchio. Farm upstate. The rest of the movie is like Pinocchio, where Haley Joel Osment is trying to become a real boy so he can go back to the mother and she'll love him. Like he's well wow. aware he's a robot, but he's like, no, I'm gonna be a real boy if I can find the blue fairy from Pinocchio, the story. She'll make me a real boy. So what happens is he gets caught up in this fuck? like tr- like tr- this weird like. Uh, AI trafficking thing where it's like this crazy stuff where he meets Jude Law who's a sex robot who's on the run because he was framed for murder because he was sleeping with this guy's wife in the big city it's dude and also like all the the, like the set design looked like Batman Forever. That like, does like, sound Kubrickian. It's Kubrickian. It was, I but he would have done a better die. job. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just made like oh, you know what it was like? It was like a mixture of like Kubrickian future stuff with with uh, Minority Report. That's how it was shot. Okay, with all the yeah, light coming I was in. Thinking of Minority Report. Yeah, like the cars are like Minority Report cars. So it was like Spielberg futuristic, and then then Kubrick futuristic. Spielbergo. So I'm not. I won't even keep going. I'm just saying that it's a batshit crazy Please, movie. Yeah. The ending makes <laughs> no sense. It, I don't even want to hear it. Yeah, it's so bad. It's so bad. But I was like, you. I'm sitting there. Even like your friend tells you something, like, all right, we'll watch it, and you go through the whole thing, and at the end, you're like, you piece of shit. I think Bobby D was on mushrooms. He was probably on something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, that's what I watched. I watched AI. All right. And if you if you want to talk about the ending, hit me up at Shawnee Time on Twitter, and we'll talk about how <laughs> shitty the ending was. And the ending involves the aliens, and I still didn't like it. Ah, uh, all right, cool. Well, all right, so whatever. But, Haley Joel Osment, good kid, though. I got him on the, my Sirius XM show as an adult. I'm, not sure, too he's long a, ago. I'm sure he's a great kid. I met Very him. Very sweet boy. I did a part on Alpha House, and he was there, and he was nice yeah. to me. I was there, yeah. Love him. Mm. Love HJO. He also looks nothing like he did when he was a kid. No, he's, he's got a big beard. He looks like he's if like a burly you've seen kid. Silicon Valley. Yeah. Silicon, Silicon Valley. Yes, he's in That's that. That's pretty uh, representative. He's of good in that, like. too. He's good yeah, in that, he's too. Yeah, great. It's a funny show. Uh, uh, it's good that he's still working this kid. It's good. Yeah, yeah you absolutely. never know. Because he was like the darling of the, uh, the film world for like the, you know early 2000s. What? Was, no, was he? Sixth Sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sixth Sense. And he I was get in him like, mixed up with there's another kid who looks like him I always get mixed up with. All those, all those gorgeous I can't little kids. Keep my childhood heartthrobs. Uh, <laughs> uh, so should we go to the? Uh, Let's go to the meats and the peats. The meats and the peats. <laughs> we decided that we got a big one for today. Um, uh, I love. I love both of these. Let's just say that. This is gonna so be- do I. It's going to be. It might run out to be a problem um, <laughs> because we were trying to. You know, it's very hard to think of good matchups that make sense together. And this matchup makes sense together. Yeah, it does. And I was. Uh, and we both. <sighs> well, here's how I thought of it. I thought of. I saw, well, you can't escape the trailer for Rocket Man, which I really haven't made up my mind on yet. I can't tell if it's going to be the biggest piece of shit ever or going to be just fun and good like Bohemian Rhapsody was. Because I didn't hate Bohemian Rhapsody. I didn't love Bohemian Rhapsody, but it was fun. But they didn't, like, really give you the nitty-gritty details of Queen. I heard Rocket Man does a little bit better with Elton John's Bohemian darker. Bohemian Rhapsody was going to be, like, a heavy drama. Which I would have... Would've been better. It be- would have been better. So I didn't see the other one. I shouldn't say that. In lieu of that, I started thinking of rock and roll movies, and which is such a, a huge genre. You could even go into like concert films, which we've all yeah. like the you know last waltz. Stop making sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just thought, all right, two great movies about rock and roll, kind of as from the fans' perspective. What are the ultimate? I thought of High Fidelity and Almost Famous because they're. Almost Famous, which you're going to stick up for. Yeah. You're going to defend. I'm going to defend High Fidelity. Uh, you have Rob Gordon, the ultimate music fan, owns a record store. And then you have, uh, in Almost Famous... Um, the Patrick Future character, who's which is actually basically... Wants to be, is more of a rock and roll journalist, wants to actually... 
Yeah. You know, but still, ultimate fans and the encyclopedic knowledge of music and Yeah. So you decide what's a better what's a better movie from the fans' perspective. What gives you more of an insight on the yeah, world of rock and roll? That's one way and to I, take it. But well, if we're, if, we're, if we're asking that question, I say almost famous. I say almost famous. We're going strictly for, for that. that. But, but as far as better movie goes, they're both amazing movies. I love both of these movies, but I love High Fidelity more because I. This is going to sound so pretentious and awful, but I tried to almost be Rob Gordon for a while. Did you? Do you know what I mean? Like I, mean, I was guy? a music collector. I loved the knowledge, and I, you know, I. I think I have a decent amount of musical knowledge. Do you think you have more but music knowledge off. than movie knowledge? Uh, I'd say it's probably pretty equal. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, my whole life. <laughs> hey, comedy, music, and these things movies. matter. Movies, these things music, matter. books, these things matter. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's true. It's I very I live kind of live by that. If I disagree, if it's like well, opposites attract. No, I need you to have a lot of the similar likes as me. You need uh, something. You need something. And if it's uh, if it's I'd say more than not, if we have, if I can talk to you in the way we do in like movie quotes and music and Seinfeld, I'll be in love oh, with you for the rest of my life. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Rather than like you asking me, like, wait, what does he mean by you know, what's soup Nazi? Why are they saying Nazi? Yeah. You gotta, you know, <laughs> so that stuff is important. Well, it has, it has to be like freaking crib notes for the relationship. But when. High Fidelity came out like that was the I was in college like that was the peak of my like I thought I was a cool music guy I was trying I like so hung around in record stores I wanted to work in a record store and also let's let's be honest like could you pick a better, a better guy to play that role perfect yeah and I read the book I love the book uh, by Nick Hornby and it was yeah I wanted to be Rob Gordon and I loved all the relationship shit about it too like that felt like me. Oh really? Yeah. So up until that point, you had did you have that wonder where you're like I, I, I had my past girlfriends like did you not necessarily that but I felt like I had the same kind of sensibility that he did about relationships. You know what I mean? The same kind of insecurities and the same kind of thoughts and the way he romanticized everything. I was like, that's me. I do the same things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You yeah, know. Yeah. So that movie just really sits at home with me. So, I was never a, a teenage rock and roll journalist on the road with a band. That's what <laughs> very few were. Yeah. Now I can say is I was. I'm sorry for two years. <laughs> I went on the road with Warrant with, with Lingo, during, Lingo. The, during the Cherry Pie tour. <laughs> um, no, but if you here's the thing because the statement that you made coming into this because I'm trying to think of reasons why I would take Almost Famous over because I really do love High Fidelity I think it's a really funny movie but Almost Famous is almost like more epic to me there's uh, and if we're talking rock and roll movies uh, it has epic scenes it has an epic storyline it has a coming of age storyline more than like somebody who's looking back on their life I don't know if it's got more of a coming of age, it I don't know. Out, but the kid is literally has sex for the first time on this on the on in, on the trip. All right, well then maybe not coming of age, but maybe re- realizing one's actual adulthood. It's it's they, with the point they of both, life. They both kind of have that, yeah. But in, but in different parts of your life, one of yes, them right, one of them is overdue. Yeah, yeah, of age, one of them is overdue, and the other one's realizing I'm not a ten, child. Yeah, it's getting his act together and actually finally realizing that he's been hindering his. Yeah, and I think you, if you if I look at High Fidelity, I'm like the music. Even though it's a music movie and he owns the record shop, it is a back piece to the movie. When you say almost famous, rock and roll is the whole world they're living in. I disagree. I think High Fidelity is he's making. He makes mixtapes mix for yeah. people in his life. He finds a Good move, by the way. band <laughs> that 
jumpstarts his actual you know adult career. He wants to use a label, top five records. That, that's in the last ten minutes of the movie. Nah, but nah, but the music is a constant throughout it's the whole constant, thing. But it's, a it's, a, it's a set piece. It's not. I think no. It's the backbone. But here's the thing: he's already living in that world where the music is a set piece, and he and he jumps himself further into it. Uh, uh, um, what's his name is completely covered in it. The minute he jumps in from Francis McDormand's house, and then you know, and then when they're, when they're backstage in that concert, yeah. she gets him in. So, and he is just—it's it's almost like an Alice in Wonderland thing, more than where Rob Gordon's more in control of what's going on than than uh, absolutely. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like if you—that's why I'm saying it's more of an adventure. It's more epic. It's more the scene on the bus where they sing "Tiny Dancer." Like that. It was an epic, 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 epic scene. So, like, yeah, that's an epic as far scene. as All like, right, I... as far as like, better movie, I probably the more I the more I talk myself into it, the more I'm thinking <laughs> almost famous is better. As um, far your first as introduction epic to scene, Kate you, Hudson, I relent epic scenes to high, uh, almost famous. Yeah, and Kate Hudson. Yeah, and Kate Hudson. It's almost like you know, if you watch old movies with with Goldie Hawn, there it's like there's something there, and she's so her. much like like. I'm as a kid, we used to watch Butterflies Are Free on TV. You ever watch Butterflies Are Free? No, it's a, a horror and the blind guy that live together, and she's like a hippie, and and I and she right away what you're like, oh, she's title. yeah, something. Like, like, I think it was a play actually. Butterflies Are Free. It's very hippieish, but. Right away, you're like, oh my god, I'm in love with her. She's awesome. Absolutely. So this is like, she's just her mom in this. Like, she's so much like yeah, her mom. Yeah, yeah. You know? And also, like, think about it that way, too. You want to talk about, like, diving into... Like, if I was younger when this movie came... When Almost Famous came out, that would have been my first crush, is Kate Hudson and Almost 100%. Famous. Because she's so cool, and, you know... Yeah, Rob, as, you know, he's got the right girlfriends, He's got Laura, which is his main squeeze. But then when they break up, he's got you know he dates like the musician and Lisa Bonet's character, and uh, and then as we're learning, yeah, and honestly, as long we were learning about all the time. As I'm trying girlfriend. to win here, Lisa Bonet, I like Lisa Bonet, corny character, corny, yeah, kind of corny, corny character. I know, I know. Yeah, well, and putting on the putting on the Rasta accent, but I think they, you know, I'm like I'm, it, worth a shot. I don't think they didn't have a Rasta accent. Did she not? Oh no, no, she does. She does it as a joke. She's got yes. dreadlocks, but she doesn't. Have she does it as a, she does Rasta, it when they're, when they're talking. Nazi. No, no, they, no. She does it when they're talking once. But I think she's joking around. I don't goes, remember. His name was James. His name was James. There's this one moment oh, where yeah. she goes, Who are you? "Who's the guy you dated?" And he's, he goes, "In Jamaica, whatever it was." For some reason, it made sense for her. And she goes, "James." I remember. His name yeah, was yeah. James. His name. She does I, it in the accent. Oh, really? Oh, go back and check. It's All absolutely. Right. I'll never. Because I thought that movie was so cool, except for that one moment. He does. That movie does make Catherine Zeta Jones really unlikable. Yes. Which really takes away of you being yes. attracted to her. You go, oh, you pretentious at first, fucking twat. At first, you're like, yes. And yeah. then you're like, no. Yeah. Sorry. But what's the big part about High Fidelity besides Rob Gordon? Like. Where you 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 should have came back at me with this when I when I mentioned uh, um, when I mentioned Kate Hudson because comedically this was like a juggernaut. Oh, Jack Black. Jack Black. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. That's why. That's I mean, what it's does such it. a yeah. That's like, the other to this thing. day I you love... could be like, that's the best thing he's done. Yeah, like, probably. Like it's not. He's, he's done more. Well, that's shit. the character. That's the actor Jack Black needs to be. A School of Rock is fun. But it, you get tired. You go, all right. I've, you know. Yeah, the chemistry between those three guys in the movie and the, and the you, so great. You want more of that? Yeah, that's what you and want. I, yeah, I love the ru- the record store. Their confrontations in the record store. Oh. just their conversations. Yeah, uh, the Cosby sweater scene. The, the, you know, the fantasy like, oh, scene. Sweater. When Tim Robbins comes in. Yeah, goes, get him, man. <laughs> 
Um, the so that's whole, a fun part of that movie. Alora's dad's tribute playlist. <laughs> Top five. Alora's <laughs> dad's yeah, tribute list. Dad tribu- Alora's he, he, dad tribute list. He beef- Top five songs about death. <laughs> he beefs it on the cool. Yeah. <laughs> he starts. Yeah, Jack, he's great in it. Is it better to die than to fade away? What does he say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the thing where that sticks out for me. But when it comes to Almost Famous, I'm like, there's so many. Also, like, I, I there's so, like it's so cool the background to Almost Famous that it's it's uh, what's his name Cameron Crowe and he he wrote yeah, the book. Yeah, it's essentially autobiographical. He, yeah, he that's he did that in real life. Yeah. He wrote for Rolling Stone when he was a kid, right? I don't know if it was as yeah. exaggerated as this. It was pretty, what, I pretty think close, right? Close. It was like Ben Fong Torres is a real character, and, and the fact that you life. can say it like shaped who he was because he's married to Nancy Wilson from Horror. I don't know about it anymore, but yeah, at the time know. she was, and then she was the music supervisor in this movie, and they like yep, did their yep. original songs for this movie. Movie. Yep. And as original songs go for a movie, this might be the winner of all. Like you know, what I'm saying like um, think about like original songs that are in a movie that are like supposed to be on par with the other you stuff. You mean like the Stillwater songs? Yeah, they're they're not the greatest, but yes. they, but they don't stick out like a sore thumb. Fever Dog was a Fever Dog <laughs> and, and something else. I honestly like can't really think of them off the top of my head, but as far as soundtrack goes. High fidelity all the way, and I know you're as talking f- about original music, but as far as that, what? <laughs> what he goes, Fever no. <laughs> yeah, as far as soundtrack goes, high fidelity wins. Absolutely, and I heard that they uh, went through like two thousand songs and narrowed it down to like seventy, and then you eventually get the movie cut. Uh, on high fidelity, was yeah, two thousand songs, they, yeah, down to seventy, just to whittle it down to what you see in the movie and here. Really? Yeah. And who did that? Uh, Stephen Frears, the director, and I think John Cusack, who was a co-writer, and the two guys that they had consult with, because I think either John Cusack's friend or Stephen Frears, the director's friend, was like the guy they matched closely in real life to Rob. They were oh. like, this guy is a collector of records, has over a thousand records. and has He's like their Lebowski. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, he's their Rob Gordon. They're Rob Gordon, right. But <laughs> saying, yeah, right. But that's, you know, Lebowski was a real person, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, his name was Jeff Dowd or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wait, so that's huge. That's really big. Yeah. Which is important because those songs at the point when they – those songs are very pointedly played. They're not just background songs. When they play the songs in high fidelity, they are really meant to get you to emote and to really be a supporting actor almost for what's going on in the scene. When like playing, when you hear Oh Sweet Nothing, like Velvet Underground play, it's at the, I think it's in the funeral scene, you're just like, yeah, uh, <laughs> when they're in the record store and he goes, watch me, I will now sell three copies of the beta band. And yeah, then, did you know who the beta band was before the movie? I had no idea. I had no idea. No idea. And it's, it worked. And it's funny because you're watching song. it, you're like, oh, I like the beta band now. Or I, like, just, I like this song. These guys are good. I know. <laughs> you said they all nail the douchey fucking <laughs> the, the music record store thing. Guy. Yeah, they yeah, all yeah. That guy. But here's the thing: that's that, that's nothing I'll give you about about high fidelity. Is that you could say that he's hipstery. The other guy is hipstery. hipstery. The, the other guy is hipstery. He's just more ex new wave guy. Like he's more like just rock uh, and yeah, roll yeah, guy. Yeah. But I don't think of him as hipster. I think of him no. as more pompous than hipster. Yeah. And like it's so funny because. The same way that you're nostalgic about the music that he's nostalgic for in the movie is the same way that when you're watching it, you're nostalgic for John Cusack for movies. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like you're watching 
uh, had Finelli like, oh my god, this, uh, once again, John Cusack is doing something so like the other, cool. right? Exactly. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or even better off dead or whatever. Yeah. Jimmy, hi, my grandma. <laughs> I'm hit by a bus full of nuns. Uh, but so it fits the vibe. You could not have. That's a piece of amazing casting. But yeah. I also think that the Kate Hudson piece of casting was amazing. I think you could say the Patrick Fugit one was. You probably yeah, could have found. He's good, decent. He's good. Frances McDormand's great in that movie. Very uh, always. She uh, but when Ren- uh, what's her not uh, uh, also sister? one of our first looks at Zoe Deschanel. Yes, yeah, kind of a weird turn too because you, she's in it very. It's like she's in it very only very briefly. Yeah, pretty brief, but she plays her part well as like the no, she does. escaped sibling who gives all her records to as what. Give him his gave him his love of rock and roll music. Right, it was right, her right, being, right. I can't stand living in this house anymore, and then becoming a uh, stewardess. She leaves and becomes a stewardess. Yeah, which is like you think back to that time that probably that should happen all the time. You know? Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was a different time. That's another thing about almost famous. It was a different time. So like, kind of if you're Absolutely. my age, you're our age, it gives you a peek into like, like we didn't have that man. Like that's it gives it gives you a peek into pre MTV type times. We're the yes. only the only uh, the only. The only look you had into bands like if you're like we're going to the show we're, we have the record we have like literally when only records were out you're like we have the record we're going to the show yeah there's there was no other like that's how you consumed it so you were able to consume the music before you were consuming the image of the band yeah 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 which to me I would have loved that way more than how I like my I was born in seventy eight so MTV was a thing right away right away eighty was eighty eighty Two or eighty three. Right, right. So that's Somebody what I'm saying. Like almost right famous kind of gives you an idea of what it would be like to like yeah. when you talk about rock gods and you know it's a cheesy term and, and you're like, rock gods. And, like, it's like one of those <laughs> albums they sell at midnight on like, you know, infomercials. But like And you can make an argument too, is that people were so much more rabid because you didn't have the exposure once M T V came along. It wasn't at your kind of and even then you didn't get it at your like beck and call, but you know, but you, you had, had twenty four hours or whatever. To find it. You had to seek it out. So those fans were fans. Yeah, like you didn't just wait at home and watch TV and let it come to you. You had to go out and buy records. You had to go see them in concert, and you had to find out. You had to do all. You really had to bust your ass and do work. And also, another thing about that, like it, it reminds you, of, like how music or how a certain thing could like form your identity when you were a kid. Well, that's what I love about High Fidelity too. Is that he is in the post empty, not post, but you know, present day. I guess in the post peak of MTV popularity but he makes that great statement and I'll probably screw it up he goes am I miserable because of pop music or is pop music made me it's like one of the I don't know the exact wording yeah but he's like have you know have I Can always been like up, this Alex yeah what's There's the quote, quote from like, have I always been, has pop music always made has am pop I music... miserable because of pop music or has pop music made me miserable or something but I, like that that sounds exactly like we just switched the words right? yeah 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 uh, once I hear it, it's perfectly. Oh, is it, wait till they get a load of me. Oh, that's that's Batman. <laughs> I'm Batman. Wait till they get a load of me. <laughs> what came first, the yeah. music or the misery? Did I listen to music because I was miserable, or was I miserable because I listened to music? Right. Do great. all those Pop records music. turn you into a melancholy person? People worry about kids playing with guns and teenagers watching violent videos. We are scared that some sort of culture of violence will take them over. 
Nobody worries about kids listening to thousands, literally thousands of songs about broken hearts and pain and misery and loss. The unhappiest people I know, romantically speaking, are the ones who like pop music the most. And I don't know whether pop music has caused this unhappiness, but I do know that they've been listening to the sad songs longer than they've been living the unhappy lives. You know what's so funny about that? And that we're sitting here and our job that we do, you can say the same thing about comedy. You can say literally say the same thing. Like the, the funniest people we know are also the saddest people that we know. I know. The what people that decided to, to dedicate their lives to comedy are some of the saddest people yeah. that you'll ever. And that's a known thing now, but it wasn't. You can you can change it out for time period, same time. Yeah, period. yeah. yeah. It, you know, it's always kind of been like that. Don't get me wrong, not everybody. You know, I don't consider myself melancholy for the most part. I'm thinking I'm pretty. No, I'm but not I upbeat. Think you know? it's just a uh, people who feel in the same way that musicians kind of do or you are very hypersensitive to that kind of stuff so you can have you go through the high highs and the low lows i think easier than other people uh sure because yeah because you're more emotional yeah exactly you're you're an artiste and you tap into that a lot going through i mean what do we draw from we draw from mostly the things that go wrong in our lives yeah 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 so that's what's funny to people awkwardness and 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 what comes with that is negativity which sucks you know unfortunately that's that's the funny any comic yeah but no comic that's like hey everything's great you're like no it's not yeah no it's not like i know no you know there's little idiosyncrasies that happen that people get like frustrated about Dating is going perfectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we hear fine. about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I cried in the shower today. Everything's I don't great. even really have to go to the gym. I just kind of look like this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally contented. But when it comes to... So back to go to the battle, as far as you're going to straight up battle them. Oh, all right, sir. Uh, all right, sir. Uh, it, uh, what I'm saying about Almost Famous is like the, the, the experience that we're talking about that I just set up by saying... That you just set up by saying uh, how, you know... Is pre MTV uh, uh, like what's taking you through that experience better is almost famous. What really makes you uh, um, get into the world of okay. rock and roll from that era? Don't get me wrong, High Fidelity is not trying to, but it's trying to. You like you said, the soundtrack was picked to make you like an extrasensory yeah. perception of the fucking and soundtrack. I, uh, well, if we are sticking to the rock and roll, then I will give you that because it does give you the world. And experience of rock and roll better because you are literally on the road with a band and getting it from a first person perspective of uh, the te- you know the teenager. What's this goddamn character's name? I don't even know. If you're Billy or something, Slimmy, Sammy, Slimmy. Yeah, that's it. It's Slimmy, Andrew. It's definitely Slimmy. Let me see. Hold on. Uh, I used. To... What is it? Froggy? What is it? Uh... Ricky? Skippy Madoo? Baggy? <laughs> what are you, setting up a crew for a bank robbery? Or are you, are you trying to think of a name of a guy from a movie? Skip. Skip. Hold on. No, it's... Uh, oh, Slippery something. Pete? That's what you're trying to think of? <laughs> Seinfeld! Where are the holes? Where are the holes? Uh, yeah. Where are the holes? You mean the plug? The holes, yeah. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Oh, that's one of the things we argue about. Uh, so, well, it, as... While you're looking up his character. William Miller. Oh, so I was right. Yeah, so it was Billy. Willie. Maybe she calls him Billy, the mom. But William, they call him the whole movie. Yeah, okay. So he, from his perspective, you're getting that experience of rock and roll. I would say Rob Gordon's more more concerned maybe with love and his relationship with Laura and his relationship I mean. in the past. 
If I, I could turn around and, and fucking and music me and is say, secondary. I can so say yes. romantic comedy more than rock and Damn roll it. movie. Alright, you've won this round. Ah! <laughs> Woo! again. With asterisk with that rock and roll stipulation. Well, here's the thing. Alright, well, here's it, it well, had to the be, flip it, test then. It had to be rock and roll uh, stipulation because. Yeah, well, I, well uh, my initial thought was like, well, who's the ultimate fan? Like, what's, you know, is it Rob Gordon or is it William Miller? That's a good question, too. Who's a bigger fan? And we'll put this out to the defenders. Tweet at us, at Defend Your Movie, but I, still I think, think it's Rob Gordon. Because I don't think you can. William him. Miller's still too new. He's still too young. That's too new. the problem. But that doesn't. That's him. That's not his fault. Not but his when fault, he gets into it, was... he is in it. Look, like, I'm grasping his straws. I, I know. <laughs> I need a point on the board. But when he when he becomes a fan, he's like, you know, he's 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 a hundred percent. I mean, you got to figure the ultimate super fan <laughs> is a guy who opens up a record store and is encyclopedic knowledge of any music. That's some of the funniest conversations in that movie when they're. The, the my buddy Brown calls me this too because you're such a reference Nazi when you know meaning like if you say uh instead of the I'll be like it's actually the on a quote yeah 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 you know what I mean and those yeah. guys will be like there's one scene when the I think it's, I think Mike White is the actor but he's the meek very meek guy opposed to Jack Black yeah yeah he's like I think it was the you know the licorice carousels or something he was like. I'm, you know, Jack Black's like, yeah, that's what I said. He was like, no, you you said licorice caramels. He's like, hey, you know, and the, it's just like yeah, one word debate yeah, where it's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that about any sort of passionate fan of anything that will make you get it 100% right and be pretty blunt about it. Do you think that bigger fans are willing to criticize the art more? So is Rob yes. Gordon a bigger fan because he'll turn around and say, like, if a band that he loves, say it's the Pixies, say it's whoever else. And I don't know he, if it means necessarily bigger fan, but I, yeah, I think. I'm trying to do an argument here for you. I, yes, I do. I mean, I think because if he's one a, of the major problems of the, like uh, Patrick the at the end of Almost Famous is that what, uh, what, uh, he hates him, he hates him on a personal Hoffman's level. Hoffman's character tells him, he goes, uh, remember, you're not their friend. Yeah. yeah you yeah, know, yeah. and he let them become, and then he writes, you know, a puff piece or whatever instead of the actual article that he intended to write, which comes from a journalist's point of view. Right. He submits their friend, you know, whatever. So, so what's the so your fan? point there? Yes, I do think A, Rob Gordon's a bigger fan in that regard, and B, he is, yes, more of a criticizer. He's, you know, what did the, they say? Well, she goes, you're a professional critic. You know, right? You know? Right, exactly. Yeah. So that, but then, but that's also something that has to be decided in the movie. It's like, yeah, he comes to that realization at the end of Almost Famous. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh yeah, I wasn't there. I wasn't supposed to be their friend the whole time. So right. Like, but he's, he's also just you know mesmerized. He's starstruck. Right, and he, and also he like becomes they become his like mini family in a way. Yeah, like yeah. you know, and he's really into her. He falls in love for the first time. He has sex for the first time, and he gets like this like it's older brother sweet. situation. Like, <laughs> how are you gonna? How is a guy that age gonna not? Become a fan, right, like how is that right. guy that he's gonna be like? No, let me keep it strictly professional. Yeah. You know, so uh, what do you love about rock and roll? Yeah, and then, but but that my point being, I think that having a critical eye on the things that you love is that I think that probably makes you a bigger fan. Flip test, flip, flip test. Uh, both of them are, are flip testable. I for think me. they both pass for me too. Yeah. I haven't seen High Fidelity in a while either. Either I kind of want to look and see if it's streaming and watch it when I go home. I'll give you this one. I don't. I would buy it. I think almost I have the DVD somewhere. I don't have Almost Famous. But I don't know if Almost Famous comes from an actual book or it was just a screenplay. But 
it's not going to beat High Fidelity as a book. Nick Hornby, oh, at least no for way. me, no, I've read no, it no. at least three times. No, there's no way. But Which says it takes place in London. It's a little here different. Here we go, though, stuff a- left Andy. Out. Andy, we're, the only problem with this is the book for uh, Almost Famous yeah. was written by the same author as another book that you love. Nick another, Hornby. Another movie that you love's book was the same author. Cameron Crowe was the same author as... No. You're, Fast Times Crow, High? Yes. Almost Famous, not... Yeah, Almost Famous. High and, Fidelity. Oh, I meant Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, I know. And Almost Famous. Oh, I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> he went undercover. He That's the crazier story. Yeah, mo- he yeah. went undercover high school. Yeah, how old was he when he did it? I don't know, but he was able to pass. He did like a 21 Jump Street kind of thing and went back to high school, and that's what... Gave us Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He's, they make better movies than they make better books. Almost, uh, High Fidelity I've read three times, I think. It's so great. I bought one. I, it's funny. Maybe this is why it subconsciously was in my head. I have one of the copies at home in my bookshelf, and I picked it up because it's got a really cool cover, and I knew I bought it in Europe when I was traveling about 15 years ago. Yeah. And I had wrote in the date. It's like 72605, uh, purchased in Prague. Uh, second copy, first copy given to Rachel Lipton, not returned. Oh, really? Like, yeah, it's like a girlfriend of mine in college. Oh, that's not funny. a girlfriend, but like. You're related, you, you became Rob Gordon. Yeah, exactly. You're I like, think that was in his Rob Gordon spirit. What songs fit this mood right now that oh, I'm thinking? So many of my favorite books I've given to girlfriends and I've never gotten Never got them back? Yeah. That's, books, t shirts. That sounds like a book. Top five t shirts. That sounds like the title of a book <laughs> yeah. or a movie. Books I've given oh, to girlfriends. Yeah. That's mine. Books I've given to ex girlfriends. <laughs> or the name of an album. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I won today. I gotta be honest. I was I very think you proud won of how I under the guise of yeah. But what else are we gonna do? We both love <laughs> both movies. I just like to bury. We have to set parameters. Bonding it. <laughs> oh, we had to set parameters. Yeah, you here. got the home run record, but yeah. you juiced it. Well, you got your birthday coming up, so that's true. Yeah, uh, maybe we'll do a uh, some sort of birthday. We thing should do a birthday week, movie. Some sort of maybe we'll do both. We'll do that 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 birthday harm or happy birthday to you or happy, happy birthday to me. Whatever it's called, the, the, the horror. Yeah, movie. I, that's a Canadian horror movie. I'm so- shocked you know that as a non-horror guy. There's a create. There's a movie from the mid '80s called Happy Birthday to Me, which is oh yeah. There's something else that came that just came out though. Oh, like Happy Death Day Death or Day. something. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, I thought I was like, how do you know Happy Birthday? To me? That's a crazy deep cut. <laughs> well, maybe we do uh, 18 again. With or George Burns sort of. Kid. How about this? We'll put this out to the Defenders too. It doesn't necessarily have to be birthdays, but maybe like a celebration. Or some sort of party, yeah. parties. That's a good party movies. We should do a whole move, a whole episode shitting on what's his name from uh, Romeo and Juliet. The guy who made that. Uh, the guy oh. who did. He's such a. He's awful, and he keeps making movies. Yeah, whatever his name is. Wait, where did that come from? Because I thought of Celebration when you said it. Everything he does is like colorful and. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. But the movies themselves are fucking like, god awful. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Andy. I went for you. today. And thank well you uh, to Showbiz Studios. That's where we're taping right now. And showbrewstudios.com is where you visit them. Also, you visit them on their 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 iTunes page with all the, the podcasts they do and with their YouTube page. Uh, and you check out, right, uh, uh, Alex? Yeah. YouTube and, and iTunes, right? Yeah, so we'll on their YouTube eventually. page, check out. All, you know, all the clips and everything like that. So um, we'll see you next week. What else do you want to plug besides you know, the birthday yeah, show? Wednesday, June 5th, this Fat Black Pussycat, the Comedy Cellar. Uh, it's, yeah, that one's all. It's, it'll be a fun night. It'll be great. Um, 
If you're around, please make your reservations at ComedyCellar.com. And, oh, and then you know, AndyFiori.com for all my dates. and uh, Check out uh, my SiriusXM radio show every Thursday at 4 p.m. It's The Raw Report on Raw Dog Channel 99, which I believe you also have a show on that channel. I do. It's called Celebrate, and we do it once a month, and it's really fun. And we're hoping there will be some big news for it soon, but we'll keep you posted. And also, uh, I will be in Connecticut with Rich Voss and a few other comics, Lawrence Deloche, Katie Hannigan, and Shuli. Uh, We'll be in Connecticut doing a show at the Ridgefield... Um, Playhouse, uh, uh, which I'm really excited about, on Saturday. So that's when this comes out. It's the next day. It's it's, it's, it's this coming Saturday. So look it up online. Google it. Buy tickets. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much, birthday boy. It'll be Thank your birthday you. week next week. It will be uh, yes, depending on the day we record. Oh, but yes, the birthday yeah. week. All right, thanks so much, and we love you. And uh, yeah, once again, subscribe. Let us know, defenders. Let us know what you want. All right, bye.